welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. My name is Jo Wright and today I'm joined by yet another amazing human being. I'm delighted to be talking to somebody who has come into my world recently and, and I'm seeing his name everywhere now. Um, named as one of HR's most influential thinkers three times in a row. You may tell me different, it may be more. Founder and Chief Energy Officer of PTHR. Uh, author of multiple books, The Energized Workplace and Transformational HR, and two times TEDx talk speaker, um, and what I would consider to be an all-round um, enthusiast about all things to do with HR, and absolutely fabulous human being, which is the wonderful Perry Timms. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Joe. Thank I... you for uh, the introduction. Yeah, recently it was the fourth time what? on the Thinkers List. Yeah, and I made number two. For what? Yeah. So f I knew it, I knew I'd have got the wrong number. Fourth time. So that yeah, is so you are amazing. Thank I've, you. I've never had such a long introduction to try and remember, um, but I'm just really happy and proud to to kind of be speaking to you today. Thank and you. and you you have I have become aware of you recently, and and now you're like that. You've set off my reticular activation system because everywhere I look, your name is there. So um, I know today we're going to be talking, we're going to have a great conversation. We're going to be talking particularly about energy in the workplace. Um, yeah. and we've both got a huge passion for making the world a better place, culture, and how employees can absolutely flourish in, in their life. And a big part of that is work. So I think yeah. today we're going to go wherever we go. We're going to cover a lot of, of topics, but I'd love you to share, and you've probably done this so many times before, um, but share a little bit about your story first, because I think that's always really interesting. We get these people sat in front of us who are kind of, we all go, wow, the finished article, but actually there's a whole backstory to that. So yeah. tell us more about Perry. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, and in fact, the other day I gave a, a podcast in Sweden and um, the host was brilliant in asking searching questions. And at the end of it, she said, you got any questions for me? And I said, yeah, tell me about you, because I didn't know anything about her. And it turns out she's a poet and an artist and, and, and we're continuing conversations right now. So I love what you say, which is we're more than what we stand for in, in working principles. So I'm an only child from a working class uh, background. My parents worked in the shoe industry in North Northampton, which is what it's famous for, King yep. Boots, etc. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed school. I liked it and I liked the thought of even teaching, but I kind of had this aversion when I saw how misbehaving some kids can be and I thought, I'm not doing that. Um, but learning was big. I loved learning uh, and writing. So I thought maybe journalism is my call, but I ended up in civil service. But quite quickly, I got on projects and I suddenly discovered this thing called project management and I got involved in that. Um, and so I'd say I sort of cut my teeth on leading others in a, yeah. in a situation where you had a big problem to solve or a thing yeah. to build. Followed that through. And the thing that really interested me was technology was emerging into the workplace at the time, the 1990s. And I found a bit of a flair for it. I didn't know I had that. Um, I passed an exam to uh, become a coder, but I hated it. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. it I've met my thing. the coders. They are special kind Very of special. people. They have a oh. brain that's like a machine. And that wasn't me. So <laughs> I got back into project management, but... Um, the bit that really, really got me was um, when you built a system or the system was built and somebody had to train people to use it so they felt confident with it. And I loved that bit. Yeah. That led me to learning and development. Um, so I got into HR uh, around about 2003 as a head of learning and development. Uh, absolutely loved it. Learned on the fly. 
already started to see that some of the things even that I was taught when I went on courses, I wanted to change and pull apart and put together in a different way based on experience. Yeah. So I did that and it seemed to go down pretty well. (laughs) So I was poached into a role as head of uh, talent and OD in a non-profit organisation that gives money to charities from lottery income. Um, Made some changes to that and got into a couple of awards and CIPD studies and discovered social networks Um, but during that time I came across the concept of organizations that didn't have managers and as somebody who'd kind of got into promoted promoted posts I kind of thought what this is interesting and I loved it I loved it because they were so unorthodox but what came through, Joe, was that people in those environments seemed to be what I was in the workplace. They absolutely got hold of and loved what they did. All the stories about changing that environment, I kind of thought, wow, this, this surely is what it's all about. And I kind of kept that thread with me. And then when I went independent in 2012, one of the things I really wanted to do was help people do more of that. Um, and I fused some of the agile and scrum stuff into it, the social networks and community side of things. And I found myself in a space where there were other people who were equally trying to almost disassemble the working model to create a new one. And I thought, hey, now this is this is my spiritual place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been to some phenomenal conferences and spoke to some amazing people who've done such pioneering things. And the bookcase behind me is full of books from outliers and academics and, and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I definitely now stand in a place where what I want to do is see the world of work move from industrial to a humanist era. That's me. Wow. In, in, a, in a very large nutshell, that is a phenomenal sort of um, intro to yourself and, and backstory. And I love this. I mean, I'd love to explore more about this managerless environment because we talk a lot about leaders and managers and what we expect them to behave like, how they are expected to be. But you're kind of going, nope, strip that all back. And it's really interesting because I just started speaking to a, a huge organization the other day who were very much doing that. They were mm. they were putting together more project teams. So it's kind of like assembled for the time and then they made big disassembled and then they go again and and there was therefore everybody knew their part to play at the time and there was no reporting no layers no no hierarchy is that what you're talking about definitely that absolutely that so some people listening to this might know about stories of organizations like spotify Mm -hmm. who exemplify what you said where they 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 change the labeling quite deliberately to tribes chapters guilds and squads and literally what you said is they come together for a piece of work they work on their cohesion and their sort of application do what they do and then they disassemble and form in a different way somewhere else now to me i can't think of anything more exciting than having that constant stage of reinvention, if you want to call it that, or reinvigoration and realignment. Because where I got stuck in the world of work was I was doing the same things with the same people time and again. Uh, And variation is incredibly important to me. I found that. Uh, And I'm very restless. So that if I feel like I'm in a repetitive um, sort of time frame, I I just want to break it. Uh, And I want to try and flights of fancy and different innovate. I almost become a nuisance. I'm (laughs) just not happy with the constantness of what's going on. And so a lot of people go, but 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 stability is important for the human race. I'm like, but so is discovery. Yeah. (laughs) And stability only comes from discovery. 
And the world conspires against you when you're stable anyway. So you have to discover how to restabilize. So I see stability as a kind of transient thing. It's a moment in time, but it won't last. Yeah. Uh, so I think if we're more able to respond, then we're more likely to succeed in turbulence <laughs> like we've just had for so two what, years. What this, <laughs> haven't we just? So what What this has sparked in my mind, because listening to you is like is like, speaking to my business partner who is an absolute disruptive entrepreneur that's he gets bored he's a kind of goes for shiny new things because he wants to make things better all the time he's kind of fixes problems and solves things which is absolutely wonderful but quite unique in 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 certain ways of thinking and 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 i'm sort of thinking you may think like that but what about all those people who don't want to feel like that they don't want that constant state of uncertainty and flux even though you are right the stability is a transitional and transient thing and there's nothing more certain than change really so what about those people yeah so i i don't unsympathize i'm very sympathetic people are like no i just want stability so as long as i can get it it's like that's absolutely an admirable pursuit and uh, uh, and i wish them the best but, but as i said the world conspires against you a little yeah and, and it is a, a fleeting kind of moment of stability now i'm really interested latterly in paradoxes yeah so i am stably unstable that's how i see it and other people are perhaps unstably stable but they don't know it so yeah. i think there's something about this this yin yang thing if you want to call it everybody who's stable has the ability to create the instability to then get back to stability so i think it's almost a case of the journey is the same the destination feels different from people who like instability and like stability that that's how i kind of square it so the two can learn terrifically well from each other so we don't point at them and go they're wrong we yeah. go what is it about what they're thinking and doing that actually i can learn from and yeah. help them and they help me so that's how i see it going and it is about respecting difference but it is equally about understanding your kind of makeup your mo your dna your energy all that it's really interesting because it just as you're talking you've made me reflect on my own and this is absolutely not about my career but listening to you think about my own career and you know people used i used to hang out with people who'd fear change whereas i used to love it i'd be like wow we've got there's going to be a restructure and i'd be like i'd be like woohoo you know and and everybody will be like no 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 this is not a good thing this is a bad thing and i was like oh i'm looking forward to this sort of new way of working and so there's something similar there in and 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 when i went out on my own and then um Mm. latterly kind of hooked up with business partner and my wizard behind the curtain set up coaching culture you know i was totally leaping out into the the dark and, and you could see a lot of people were unbelievably fearful for me. And I was like, whoa, I'm getting my wings on here. I'm about to go. Mm. And and it, it's just that different way. And there's a yeah. possibly that risk linked to oh, yeah. stability, you know, oh, yeah. stability, reward yeah. versus, yeah. you know, versus that yeah. instability totally and change. That. Totally that. And I think the perspectives that you have on it. So let's say you are desiring of stability and, and that's a thing you want to feature quite a lot. What you are probably never aware of are the, the things that you just 
don't take on board yeah because you kind of just push them aside so you never experience them and equally if you're like me and you like the instability there are things that you are not experiencing which actually can be quite joyous about a period of stability to do whatever it is you want to do so so i think it's an open mind (laughs) it's a willingness to um to to sort of move across those things now some of the um tools that we psychometrically assess people in both are insightful and frustrating Mm -hmm. in a sort of paradoxical way that of their own because they they tend to try and box you in and I mean I really recognize myself in things like MBTI and so on but actually I now look on them and kind of go that's not all I am and it's almost like it's a very thin veneer of a lot of stuff underneath that 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 only you can really really know and compute so I think they're data points I think they're helpful in understanding your preferences and tendencies yeah and and to your um, uh, trade the thing about coaching that I really like is that there is absolutely no single permutation to coaching at all. It is just as varied as us as individuals. Yeah. Right? So if people say, I use this model, I'm like, well, good luck, because you probably don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you may have the start of that, but the rest of it is human and exchange. Uh, it's a conversation between two human oh beings. God, yeah. Totally. Wow. So, so we, we're talking self-managing workplace, which I think we could talk all day about that because that I think is a, a really relatively new concept that actually let you know if we wound forward x number of years is that really what the workplace is going to be like that's one thing we could explore but the other one is this concept of energy and and human flourishing now those two words make me they make my heart absolutely sink how do we get more humans flourishing we spend so much time at work you know and and it breaks my heart when i hear people really not enjoying their work and you know i've had times where i've not enjoyed my work i often do enjoy my work but it often it's often created by the environment the people i'm with the work i'm doing is it meaningful um but human flourishing is another level of brilliance there so talk to me about that because that really excites me good so i think it isn't um, maslow's actualization yeah. which again i believe is a fleeting moment mm-hmm. because you, you work to it you get it you don't stay there <laughs> because stuff happens so it's a fluid thing right yeah. so we absolutely know that flourishing is slightly different because i think it is probably a little bit more long-lasting and broader than this self-actualization thing because it's dependent on what you've created as a system around you and what the system has gifted you in order to experience that right so there is a trade between you and a system and they're always is they're absolutely always is so again like you joe i'm super frustrated by the fact that we've got a system that conditions people to accept a lesser version of themselves to believe there's one predictable path for them that their parents did this so therefore they've got to be destined to do that i, I mean it's just like that's not the tapestry of life no not at all. And it doesn't need to be, does it? I mean, the thing is that we've got we've got so much opportunity. Like, where do we start with opportunity yeah. and yeah. and how we can go and you know, life is a potentially a you know we can create our own blank piece of paper and fill it all in. Whereas you're so right, getting taught certain things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's heartbreaking. So, yeah, so talk totally to me is. more. Talk to me more. So yeah, about sure. so, where does it, you know, where does it come from? What do you see as the yeah. the key enablers to yeah. the people who are listening today and they want to gonna they want to go and flourish? Yeah, totally. That. So I first heard the the term eudaimonia 
from a leader in an organization. It's a technology company in Wisconsin. And I was in a conference in Miami and he was part of this group of companies who were all interested in self-managed systems. And he yeah. was one of them, but he wasn't the chief executive officer. And it was funny because I wasn't either. I was the chief energy officer at the time. and He was the chief eudaimonia officer. I'm like, I said, tell me more, tell me more. Because I'd not heard the term before. Well, I'm not you, a Greek scholar. I didn't know what it was. You know my he story said, behind the, the, discovering it in your book. I discovered the term in your book recently. Cool. Brought it into the office, tested my business partner, thinking I had one here on him for the pub quiz, and sat and said to him, what does this mean? And he didn't know, and I felt quite particular. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was proper uh, top trump deck game of good words Beautiful. to use in the workplace. Beautiful, absolutely. <laughs> so, so he did say to me, like, you know, the concept of happiness. I'm like, yeah. He said, yeah. it's not that. He said, because happiness, again, is transient and fleeting. He said, but eudaimonia is something where it's a bigger sensation because it isn't just a, a moment and it isn't just something that is it's almost like a, a, a tiny experience. It's a concept, a way of living and being with everything around you. I'm like, whoa. So I got to spend some time with that company. And I wanted to write a book back in 2016, this was, about people who loved their work. And I interviewed his team and without any prompt at all, what everybody described to me was this sense of agency, influence, belief, support, inclusion, a system they understood, but they knew they could craft, a system they knew they had to protect that was there for a reason, but could be challenged in everybody's interest. And I thought, this is incredible. And it led me to research other people like um, a phenomenal uh, OD brain, uh, Russell Ackoff. Um, and so I brought some older thinking into this. And as I started to craft this book, uh, I got the chance to write Transformational HR because I was asked to. And that's great. So I thought, right, I'm going to put that story in that book. But eudaimonia didn't go away <laughs> because what I thought was eudaimonia is an energy force because it's about the system around you and how much you can craft that in order to experience this lasting sense of flourishing, plus your inner drive, desire yeah. and so on. So it just kept niggling in my mind. And then I got asked to do a TEDx in 2018. Yeah. And I'd already started to think, what's different about me and the fact that I seem to not be resilient, but I seem to find a way to craft a system that I genuinely normally flourish in, right? Yeah. So I thought, I'm not going to unpack me. So I did some research around and I spoke to some people, um, entrepreneurs, uh, yeah. long-time civil servants, whatever. Anyway, there were some patterns and I thought, hmm, I can see something here. Not that there was one way to experience eudaimonia, but there was 10, 12 factors influencing it. Things like appetite for learning, discovery, stability, relationships, uh, all sorts of things. And I thought, mm, there's a code coming through here. Uh, and what I found uh, in people who were um, either explorers or uh, adventurers or introverts was that there was a situation where their energy changed when something new was happening around them. They discovered something new and they were excited about it. Something landed on them and it was a challenge and it was new and they had to solve the problem. And I thought, ah, so it's this newness that yeah. sparks energy in us. So I thought it was only to do with that, but it isn't. Um, there is a constant swell of energy that goes through us and it is literally a quantum force. I also spoke to a Danish PhD student who found that in Soviet Russia, 
behind the Iron Curtain, there was a device that could measure our quantum energy emissions. Wow. 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 Yeah, we emit energy. Now, you've heard of mirror neurons? Yeah, yeah. All that totally. kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah, it's linked to that, right? And it's also linked to the chakras from yoga and mystical yeah, Eastern yeah. study. Yeah, all of that energy. So he tells, me this, he tells me this story of a Russian scientist who developed a device that was put on your fingertips to um, measure the um, quantum emissions that, that humans uh, put out. And he said uh, it was used with athletes. He said if there was an athlete training, they would get measured before the training and measured afterwards. And their coach would look at the readout that was based on chakras that would tell them where there was an energy misalignment. Wow. And if it happened in the area of perhaps a certain muscular part of the body, they'd say, don't practice for a while because there's a potential disturbance in that energy that might mean an injury. And if they ignored it and had an injury, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought, whoa. So I thought, well, we can measure it, we can feel it, and we can channel it. So where does it go wrong and why are so many people miserable in their work? What's the energy misalignment yeah. going on with the system that's around them? And, and I just couldn't help but think we've designed work to be oppressive boxed in restrictive so in the talk i gave um uh, the tedx talk i talked about a concept of the edge we have to go to the edge of our known yeah universe and whatever but most work puts us in a cage and it's a very subtle play on a couple of letters in a word and most people are just pacing around that cage but some people break out of the cage, go to the edge and come alive and flourish. And that was the whole concept of this book. It's like, why have we designed the cage? That's pretty much it. Wow. So, so talk to me about this in, in real life organisations yeah. now. So where are you seeing the cages removed? Where are you yeah. seeing the most flourishing examples? Because, you know, who can we learn from to go, wow, you've got this so yeah. right? So, um, you know, the spray can that fixes everything, WD-40. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they have a concept there that releases people from a cage of making mistakes and errors and, and the burden of failure. Yeah. And they call it learning moments. Yes. So whenever something goes wrong, the chief executive and now executive chairman there, Gary Ridge, just says it's a learning moment. And people kind of go, yeah, but I've heard that before. It's like, mate, WD-40, it genuinely is because they recognise their whole essence is built on experimentation because WD-40 is called that because the other 39 versions didn't work. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, yeah I've seen his name, actually. I've seen, I've read yeah, a little bit about Gary him. Yeah, yeah, and and the culture that he's created. Oh. And I think a bit of a coaching culture, actually, because that's where it came uh, into my that's where it came into my sort of sphere yes. of awareness here. Um, he's a big friend of Marshall Goldsmith. Yes, he uh, is. He's a big friend of Ken Blanchard. Yes. So yes. I, I I came across him. I think he was referenced in um, um, Michael Bungie Stanier's book, The Coaching Habit. Yes. And I remember reading it thinking, wow, wow. what is he doing? Yeah. He's doing something yeah. very special. And... Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, and and so to other companies, so um, yeah, you know, Daniel X, uh, Spotify, as yeah. we said earlier on, is a terrific example where actually, again, it, it's no cage because people literally move teams and, and move product lines and, and so on. So that sense of fluidity is, is there. Ricardo Semler at Semco and, and other organisations that have stood in the space of um, entrepreneurial sort of self-management. But the best one, and I always talk about it, is Bietzorg, the Dutch home-based nursing organisation. Okay. Um, it's 15,000 um, strong. Wow. And they deliver home care, health administration and yeah. support to people to keep them out of hospital, keep them in the community, keep them in their own home. Yeah. And uh, they, were, they were founded by a nurse who was frustrated by being in the cage of uh, a health system that was more about economics and um, KPIs and form filling and bureaucracy, not about patient okay. care. So he said, how can we change this? And he said, uh, conversations with a few nurses said, well, maybe we can create a patient-centred system and it will just work out that we can do all the other stuff too. So they started and, and it worked. And as it worked, they started to codify what they did. Now, this is where energy comes in, right? Because these nurses do not have a rotor of people to administer dressings and, and help them take their medicine and so on. They go and have a cup of coffee with them and find out who they are. Brilliant. And find out who they connect with in their neighbourhood and find out what they're interested in and what they'd like to do more of and less of. And they bring their spirit into the conversation and they say, well, let's try and connect you to those people again. Let's try and get you out and about more. Yeah. Um, and so what's happened there is some statistics on this are incredible. Like that, if those people do have to go into hospital for any form of care, they're in, they're in there for about 40% less time than other people are. That's length of lifespans increasing in the patients that be sort of look after yeah um their mental health uh, off the scale in terms of improvement loneliness and isolation doesn't seem to appear in many cases that be sort of, um, administer now the cost of running that organization you might think well hang on a minute this is a bit nice but isn't that expensive to have nurses doing coffee and networking and community-based stuff i mean they even have things like zimmer frame olympics in some neighborhoods <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'll be doing one of them one day. I can, I can oh, feel yeah. it. Yeah. Now, so in answer to that, when they got bigger, yep. they got some studies in. So um, PwC and KPMG and other independents have studied the conventional model of healthcare, the Bietzorg model of healthcare. And they've gone, actually, do you know what? It costs the same to do it, but the results are massively different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, highest level of patient satisfaction anywhere in the world. Highest ranked employer in the Netherlands year on year. They don't have to spend money on employer brand because if you're a nurse and it's in home care health, you want to work Absolutely. And it's across the world now. So there's, but it's all GB in Ireland who I've worked with Brendan Martin there. So it's coming into this country too. Classic example where it's self management, but it's all derived around the energy of people who want to look after people, but recognize that they're a whole system in themselves. And I suppose, I suppose I'm thinking in coaching culture world in terms of this is about conversations, this is about collaboration, this is about human human interactions, yeah. relationships, rapport. This is this yeah. is I suppose deconstructing some of the yeah. things that the cage. This is actually taking the bars yeah. down, and and the cage, the cage is, is the yeah. what the system, the processes, the things system, that could be job, in, yeah, inhibiting. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Go and build relationships. Yeah. That's what that's exactly. feeling like. Exactly and, and 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 hence the mental health and well-being being better. Absolutely. It, it's yeah. all of that. 
yeah, less emergencies, so they have less falls, they less they're less hospitalised. That they they can they the patients can look after themselves a whole heap better, and create a different relationship with their nurses. Now, some of the administration of this still needs to be done, right? So Beardsorg starts yeah. a headquarter, but it's fifty people for fifteen thousand. The ratio is so how it should be, uh, and also you'll like this because um, they don't have managers or senior nurses, or they have coaches. So if the if the nurses are struggling relationship wise between each yeah. other, they bring in a coach who yeah. helps them out. If they're not sure about performance and they're a bit lacking yeah. in some capability, they bring in a coach. So they absolutely know how to leverage a coach. So it's it's joyous for that as well because it's all about self efficacy and determination yeah. and administration yeah brilliant so this is changing the the face of work isn't it this is let's wind forward then in terms of let's look forward to the future where are we now 2020 what nearly not 2021 nearly 2022 what's it going to be you know 10 years 20 years from now what what are we going to be looking back on and going Mm. actually we played a part in that we well i think all the good things that you know collectively people like us are are talking about and and making changing organizations and a lot of organizations doing these great things what do you think we'll be looking back on and going look look where we've got to this is where we are now I, I've I've had a few moments where I've kind of soared and, and then sort of dove back down again as a result of this. So you discover all yeah. this and then think, oh my goodness, but nobody does it. Then you think, ah, but there's a more pliable way of doing it all, but not everybody's doing it. Now, COVID and, and everything related to it has just completely changed the game in many respects because yeah, it's a it's a it's an epoch moment. Yeah. It's one of those things yeah. where it's like that's it. We can point to that and go, that was the moment where it all everything changed. that went, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So I'm already seeing and I'm already sensing and I'm already picking up that people are going autonomy trust we've got to get different flexibility in the world I'm like and so we've had a hundred percent up year this year after nearly collapsing and dying in 2020 because of loss of work yeah and a lot of people have said why is that and it's like we didn't do anything different except people seem to tune in to what they were afterwards what we've been saying for a long time which is autonomy and everything else and self-management so so i think that that time is now starting to come so so i do get a little bit annoyed when some people go yeah but if stuff's too stuck it won't change and i'm like it will so the example i quote here is l'oreal big huge multinational conglomerate their marketing team several years ago said we don't have to be like this and the rest of the organization said well you're not changing everything and they're like no we don't we don't need to change everything we just need to change marketing we'll interact with you how you want but we'll change us and they're now a self-managed team globally but they interact with the hierarchical traditional bureaucracy of the rest of l'oreal but what happens is some of that stuff when it works other people go Mm. what can i do that's special then but yeah so i think we'll see more of that i think we'll see more stealthy and perhaps iterative change going through that organisations will decouple from the cage and the hierarchical control and stifle uh, that we've got now. And, and this is research done by people like Amy Edmondson and, yep. and Michael Y. Lee from INSEAD who say, look, hierarchies are great and stable conditions, but we're not in that. So the turbulence, I think, is forcing organisations to go, oh, I've got to cut the cloth really differently now. And that's why we're seeing declarations like Nationwide and everybody yep. else going, yeah, let's work flexibly. And we as people are going, but this is not quite how I wanted to live my life. I want to calibrate it differently anyway. Yeah. 
so the working system and the and the human system are adapting now before our very eyes and some people will say i don't see the change it's like you know what when you're in the middle of it you don't it's only when it's out there and looking back you will yeah. it's reminded me of um um we've recently been reading something about accenture did a big study on um nine thousand people march 2021 so kind of yeah. right in the middle of the pandemic i think we all thought we'd be out then but no we were still there yeah. and and they talk about three key things being um hybrid working which is obviously a total change of yeah. flexibility and you do your best where do you do your best work well do it there um digital fluency technology has to enable us to be able to live our lives and do our best work and the third one was leading with humanity ah. which obviously you can imagine totally made me go yes you know yeah. makes my heart sing and and yeah. i mean i kind yeah. of feel that what you're describing is it started um and i think it, it it's going to have yeah. to be that going forward isn't it that sort of yeah. the richness in yeah. in I think what you're describing yeah. as well, self-management for me is about, and, and autonomy is about empowerment. I mean, we yeah. still do talk about leaders and managers empowering their team. So we haven't gone into the total, it's self-management, but we've talked about actually is about people thinking Same for thing. themselves, let them enjoy, let them, yeah. it, and, and this this culture of a growth mindset, you know, getting out of the cage, yeah. pushing the boundaries, trying things, yeah. failing and go yeah. again, that agile, yeah. you know, the agile way of totally work has to be. Totally is. So I think if you are already of a coaching mindset, yeah. if you already know what OD is all about, yeah. or design, or development, yeah. if you know what design systems, design and systems thinking are, and if you know enough about agile, you are already future equipped in many ways. Yes. Because that's the, the MO of the future. Now, now people might say, yeah, but we've seen this before and it hasn't taken over. Right. So I'm going to take you back to a football era now. 1974 Oof. Dutch World Cup squad. Yeah. Johan Cruyff, yep. particularly famous at that time, right? Now, they had a philosophy there where any other team could play anywhere except the goalkeeper. Centre-half, midfield, wing, front, whatever, right? They were interchangeable positions. It was an Ajax-based model. Wow. And for a while, I looked at that, and I was only seven years old, but I just thought, this is magic before my eyes. Now, up to that point, football was 4-4-2, like yep. the bar football game, right? Now, people will say, yeah, but the Dutch didn't win the World Cup. No, they didn't. Germany beat them. And, and that system doesn't prevail. It's like, it does, but you just don't think it does. Because we talk in football now about a number 10 position, a false nine, yep. a three at the back, whatever it is. There are so many permutations now. It's like you're talking about the Dutch 74 World Cup squad without knowing that's what you're doing because it's got different frames around yep. it. But really, the ethos is the same. Whether Carl Walker is a right back or a right centre half, whether Reese James is on the wing in the midfield or as a right back, it, that's what's going on here. Yep. So I think work's headed that way too. Good job they say, except the goalkeeper, to be fair. That would have. <laughs> well, that's like. That's like <laughs> He's got to stay there. <laughs> Yeah. It's like your CFO, yes. right? Don't move so him. Even, even Birzorg have a CFO. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So in terms of if you were giving any any organisations key pieces of advice for, you know, they're looking yes. at their strategy now, whether they're looking at their five-year strategy, three-year plans, next year, what would you be saying to them to make sure yeah. they are on it? So I think there's probably uh, two main things. One is this energy thing, right? Like yeah. we said, not enough people talk about it. They don't. Except it was big in COVID, right? People suddenly went, I'm exhausted, but I'm not going anywhere. It's like, what's that all about? I blame Zoom. No, 
it wasn't that it was pressure and intensity and uncertainty yeah. and you were working longer days because you weren't commuting there was no variation but so I've just done a bit of travel to Bristol and back and I was knackered this morning because that travel thing I realized is really draining um yet most days I can get a terrific amount of work done and uh yeah so I think there's something about energy we've got to talk that into conversation yeah and in, fa- and in fact in the book I talk about it as a don't start from a what skills have we got start from a what energy do people have here for what do you know what I mean so try and map them to the energy they've got you know innovation stability creativity care whatever it is but I think we've got a a, a chance to not just skills map an organization but energy map an organization so have that conversation in your team see where you sit see what you do because then you suddenly start going it's no wonder that poor Jimmy's always looking a bit down because what he's doing in his energy are completely the opposite so can you make some changes? That's the first one, I'd say. Well, let me just ask on that. Though. I know I should be summarising at this point, but I'm just no, so that's really it. triggered me to think about energy and strengths. Right. Kind of, because playing to your values, uh, what values yes. you have and your things you're great at, I often yep. think about, you know, what your passions are and your yep. st- that's, where, that's what gives you energy, totally surely. That. Totally that, exactly that. So there's a story of Tiger Woods in his heyday and people sort of said how come tiger woods is so good uh, you know does he practice bunker shots it's like no actually he doesn't practice bunker shots he practices obsessively on his drive so yeah. that he never gets in the bunker yes because he's not got the energy to get out the bunker it's yeah. like whoa so it's that philosophy yeah, yeah totally. exactly what you said now tom rath and strengths finder and everything yeah. else i think is just another manifestation of what am i come what do i come to life yes. that's what it is yeah yeah, <laughs> definitely. yeah definitely go on other <laughs> other other top tips so the other top tip i think is that 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 this design is often done by somebody to other people and i think we can flip that yes and design collectively so I think if we're talking about team dynamics and structure of work and everything else, I think we start with the energy thing and then we go, so how do we design the flow of it and make sure there's fair and equitable yeah. portions and allocations yeah. and stuff? That doesn't sit in one person's head. I think it is a team sport. Yeah, love that. So I'd say do that. Um, uh, and then I think the other essence, if we're thinking about things like hybrid and flexible yeah. and all that kind of stuff, We've we've kind of tra- created a trail here because start with the teams and design out from teams. Don't design your organisation hybrid three days a week, whatever. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Go with teams and say what works for you, and then gradually build what works for other teams. Make sure there's interrelationships between them, and then go. That's what it is. Yeah. It's more chaos mapping than it is, you know, forced design. So I think get get teams to orchestrate their own destiny, and you're all winner. And it's it's fascinating you say that because, you know, there's more and more focus these days on, on teams because the organisation itself feels like a big system. But and then, and then and then people focus on coaching with one individual here and one individual there. Yeah, the yeah. magic's really in the team. Yeah. It's the makeup yeah. of so many fabulous teams that, that really are totally going to make the difference. And that's where they often get their energy from. It is exactly that. And my final point is the thing that wraps around all of that is conversations with the coaching leaning to get that energy aligned, to get the design right and continually adapt that design and get the team energy where it needs to be. And the coaching conversations make that happen. They do indeed. So it comes back to what you're doing, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I've not, <laughs> I, 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 thank you. Um, <laughs> this is this is phenomenal. Um, I mean... 
the more then we can get thinking and, and talking collectively about energy, I think that's really, really yeah. important. And and yeah. tapping into the brilliance of teams and what works for the organization, get rid of the cage, learn, be agile, yeah. have that, yeah. you know, you All started that. off the very conversation about your kind of you wanting to learn and that's when you're at your best and actually tapping into those learning moments all the time it's it's this yeah. isn't it is there anything yeah. else you'd want to share today Perry because I've absolutely loved our conversation and it's Thank really it's sparked off lots of sort of new thinking and, and I love your storytelling yeah. linked to it you've got so many oh, fabulous examples <laughs> is there anything else you'd want to share today yeah, just one thing go for it people sometimes say where do I start and I often say quite glibly somewhere Lovely. because it doesn't matter as long as you start that's all I'll say that yeah i love that start. It's just yeah. start yeah yeah really yeah. fabulous thank you so i'm not going to ask you if you've got any questions for me like you asked the lady the other day because we'll be here for another uh two hours okay. oh <laughs> yeah. we, we i'm sure we will again thank you so yeah. much perry it's been absolutely thank fabulous you. you've you've been amazing all no wonder i had that long list of an introduction at the beginning um because again you talked about being an enthusiast and, and i can feel it in everything you're saying and, and your expertise and knowledge and your passion to make a difference in in the not just the world of organizational development but the world because this is actually this is massive and it's so important. So I think I feel really privileged to be sat opposite oh. you across a, a Zoom camera talking you. to you. Same, same, Joe, same. Thank you. Uh, absolute pleasure. And knew it would be and enjoyed it and I've kind of revved myself up for it. So, yeah, oh, thank you. thank you, Perry. And again, thank you everybody for listening to today's podcast. Perry has been uh, phenomenal as, as expected. Um, but again, if you do want to listen to any more of our Coaching Culture podcasts, we've got plenty more fabulous human beings lined up to speak to because we really are wanting to make such a difference out in the world of, um, of the workplace. So yeah, Tune in again. Thank you very much.